Welcome back to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Garrett Post. And I'm Justin Ruderman. And today, on our third episode, we will be talking about the weekend's Premier League results, about transfers, um, and a bit about the MLS All-Star break and a preview of the second part of Rivalry Week this upcoming weekend. Justin, how are you doing? Doing all right. It's, you know, an interesting day for uh, as far as city news and things of that nature go. But um, we'll, we'll get into that very soon. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, but we'll jump straight in um, and look at some of the results from the Premier League game week two. Um, we'll start with the first game of the week, which was Liverpool beating Burnley 2-0 at Anfield. What were your thoughts? Yeah, just another simple uh, Liverpool win. Um, Salah could have gone on the score sheet, got rolled out. Uh, Jota Mane. So, you know, Liverpool off and running in the new season. Good start for them. Yeah, I will say, though, that they did, you know, get a little lucky not to concede again, in my opinion. I still think that defensively they haven't looked amazing despite keeping two clean sheets. I really think that Burnley and Norwich, if they were, you know, any better in the attacking third, easily could have scored. Um, but obviously Van Dyke is still getting back up to speed and we'll see where that goes. We'll go to Villa Park where Danny Ings' bicycle kick helps Villa beat the Tunes by a score of 2-0. Yeah, I mean, that game was all about that bike, wasn't it? I mean, Newcastle, you know, they, they weren't bad. They were, it was a pretty even game for the most part, but that bike really uh, gave Villa the momentum uh, and then Al Ghazi's pen just put it away. Yeah, I mean, spectacular finish from Danny Ings. He's hit the ground running, as, you know, almost everyone expected him to. Um, we'll go to Selhurst Park, because we talked about this game um, pretty extensively, actually, on, on the last episode of Palace versus Brentford. Um, you know, we thought this game would really be helpful in order to see where these two teams are after, obviously, Brentford beat Arsenal in spectacular fashion at the Brentford Community Stadium and Palace were thumped by Chelsea. So, um, nil-nil draw, what do you think that says about these two teams? Yeah, I think that it's, it's a good sign for Brentford staying up. Um, but it, it could also mean, you know, Palace might be in a relegation fight. So, it, it does tell us, obviously, that these teams are probably pretty evenly matched. Um, obviously, you were, you were mentioning the previous result they had um, in the previous week. But, yeah, I think that it's... It's just going to tell us that this we're probably going to see these teams around, you know, 14th to 16th area. So somewhere in that somewhere in that range probably um, is where these teams will will finish up. Is my guess. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is probably a lot worse news for Palace than it is for Brentford. Um, Palace, this is a game that they kind of need to be winning if they if they want to drag themselves above um, the relegation fight. But at this point, I, I think they definitely could be firmly entrenched in it. We'll go to Ellen Road. Everton 2 leads game. to crazy game. What do you have crazy. to say about it? Um, I mean, before the match, I would have definitely taken a point. I would have been very happy with a point. Um, a full Ellen Road. It was a boisterous crowd, um, you know, as it should be their first uh, Premier League game with a full capacity crowd since 2004. Um, but 
based on how the game went, I, I honestly think Everton should have won. I think we had the chances to win when we were up 2-1. Dominic Calvert-Lewin had two chances to, you know, pretty much bury the game, and he, and he didn't. And then Rafinha, you know, scores against Everton for the third consecutive game. First player to do that since Paul Lorimer in 1978, I believe. Um, so we just can't deal with him, but we should have known – you know, that we probably were going to concede again just with, you know, Leeds were very dangerous as well as they always are. But um, so I was a little disappointed not to get all three points, but I, I'm definitely not going to turn my nose up at a, at a draw at Ellen Road. Um, I think a lot of teams will lose at Ellen Road this season. So I'll take it. The performance was still encouraging. I, I like the way that Rafa's is having us play because although, you know, we don't have a lot of possession, we're really direct. We're extremely dangerous on the counterattack. We, we really created some good chances. Um, so I was encouraged overall. Um, and also, I just have to say, Damari Gray was absolutely brilliant. So um, he seems to be... That's what I was going to say, yeah. Position. Yeah. I was just about to mention, I mean, I was, I was uh, watching three games at, at a time um, during that 7 a.m. Uh, slot. The, the City game, of course, the Everton game, and I was also watching the Villa game. Um, so I, I, you know, maybe not have the fullest insight on all those games, but from the Everton game, I could really tell Damari Gray was a standout. He's, you know, looking, looking a bright spot for Everton um, and, and a steal in the transfer market also. So, yeah, he was looking. also really, he was also really good at the John Smith stadium last night against Huddersfield in the Carabao cup. He came off the bench, but he was immediately extremely dangerous. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really encouraged by, how he started life at Everton. We'll hope that he can keep it up. Obviously consistency has always been his problem. Um, so if he can keep his end product up, you know, he has so much ability. His pace is just frightening. There's not many defenders who can deal with him at all, really. And he was running Luke Ailing ragged who, you know, we both agree is a good fullback. We like him a lot. So now we'll go yeah. to your game. Yep. Moving was, from your game to my game. Yeah, exactly. Which was city thumping Norwich five nil. What are your takeaways? Um, I mean, obviously Grealish, you know, got his first goal. wasn't wasn't a fantastic goal, but getting off the mark is is always important. Um, something Lukaku also did. Um, but to me, the biggest takeaway from this game was uh, Gabriel Jesus on the wing. I mean, he was fantastic. He only came away with, I believe, two assists, but could have been three or four. Um, the way that he was playing, he was serving in balls fantastically, and the way that he would work um, with with Kyle Walker on the right side. Kyle Walker would play. Uh, long through balls inside of the fullback and Gabby would run around the outside and get on them. Uh, that, that led to two of our goals of the five. And um, yeah, Gabriel Jesus on the wing is, is very dangerous. I've been saying for about two years now, this, he's not a striker. A striker is not his position. Um, and today there were reports that came out that uh, Jesus has told Pep that he wants to play wing and that is his preferred position. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. We've been talking for a while about how, you know, Jesus initially looked to be the heir to Aguero, but he, you're right. He's just better on the wing, and he's right. He knows he's better on the wing. But, yeah, um, I didn't watch this game, but I watched the highlights. And, yeah, it, Kyle Walker, those balls that he were playing were just deadly. Poor Yanulis playing left back for Norwich was just getting run ragged by – Jesus going in behind and that Kyle Walker hitting that through ball perfectly every single time. Um, so yeah, I thought Walker was fantastic. Obviously Jesus was great. Um, so yeah, good, good performance from city. Exactly what you'd expect from them bounce back from that loss at the Tottenham Hotspur stadium. Um, my main takeaway from the game was thank God Mara scored 
because he was my FPL captain, <laughs> didn't start, came off the bench with 15 minutes left. I was like, great, I'm going to get one point from my captain. Um, great through ball from Ruben Diaz. I also have him, so I got that assist as well. And then off the post and in a great finish, timed his run to literal perfection. So it was, was it was a fantastic pass from Ruben, and I think it's a good point that you bring up because not only did Maros come off the bench to score, Raheem Sterling also came off the bench to score. And I know it's only Norwich, but last season uh, was something that City struggled with is you know breaking through when they late in games when they bring on a player to make the difference. Obviously, they were already up three 0 and it's a different situation. But bringing off bringing players off the bench to score is is a positive note. Yeah, I mean, I know a few things about that considering, don't quote me on this, but I believe Everton only had one goal off the bench in the entire Premier League season last year. So, yeah, I definitely know about that. We'll go to the Amex. Brighton beat Watford 2-0. I thought Brighton were really impressive in this game. I thought Eves Vesuma picked up right where he left off last season. He's just too good for Brighton, let's be honest. But um, if they keep him all year, they don't sell him before the end of this window, which I don't think they will or in January, you know, Brighton could be in business this season, especially, you know, that, that Mopai injury is unfortunate, but it seems like he won't be out for too long. Um, but yeah, I thought Brighton, you know, were really impressive in this game. Yeah. I mean, I think since our first episode of the podcast, the question has been, is Brighton going to sign a striker? And as you mentioned, the Mopai injury, but I, I think even without one, you know, I'm without um, an, a new one coming in that they're, they're performing really well. Um, as you mentioned, Basuma was all over the pitch. He was literally everywhere. Um, and it, it was an incredible game to watch. But, um, yeah, I think it shows Watford are, you know, in a, in a relegation fight, even though they got that win against Villa. That was a little bit surprising. Um, they are losing to a Brighton that we expect to be probably mid-table or below. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I do think just Brighton could surprise some people if they can – keep their finishing boots on is what I'll say. So that's all the Saturday results. We'll go to um, Sunday United drawing with Southampton on the road. Um, you know, that's not a great result. Probably brings United a little bit back down to earth after, you know, their destruction of leads in game week one, but Mason Greedwood gets on the score sheet again, another assist for Paul Pogba. What were your thoughts on that game? Yeah. Um, it was, it was an early game after a, a long Saturday night. I'll say that, but <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was fun to watch as, as a city fan. I enjoyed Southampton played pr pretty well in my opinion to, you know, hold on and hold off uh, United key who just really kept pushing for that. But Southampton could have easily snatched a win as well. They were, they had, you know, good chances on the counter um, with, with some shots in. So it, it could have gone either way, really. I think a draw was a fair result from from the performances and i think that uh you know it's bring united back down to earth a little bit after their opening game which everyone thought oh look at this united are now the a lot of people were saying title challengers or even title favorites after after a game like that but i think that we need to you know take a deep breath and reassess right so it's two wins in two for spurs as delhi alley of all people scores a penalty to give uh, the London club all three points at Molyneux. Um, you watch this game. I, I did not get up early enough to watch this. I also had a very long Saturday night. So what were your thoughts on this game beyond just that penalty? How did the rest of the game go? Well, 
to me, the most, I mean, the most interesting part, I mean, there's, there's just, the interesting part of this game was not even on the pitch to me. Um, it's, it's Nuno's return to Wolves. It's yeah. Kane returning to play. It's, it's the chance that you were hearing from, from the Wolves supporters, um, which obviously ended up not being true. Um, they were chanting things like Kane will be a mank in the, in the morning. Um, and, and, you know, things basically just that he doesn't care about Spurs, which we will get to uh, soon. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that a lot of this was just uh, uh, news off the field because I, I was watching it. I was obviously watching um, United at the same time. But it just seemed it wasn't it wasn't the most exciting game really to me. Um, Deli Ali, you know, got the pen, which was interesting. Um, I didn't know he was gonna. I, I wouldn't have expected him to be the one to take the pen. But I think that I think that Nuno might try and bring Deli into this team more than we've seen him uh, in recent times for Spurs. Yeah, I, I think that you know if Deli Ali can get back to the form that he had, let's say. Pochettino's final full season um, he could be a really important uh, puzzle piece for Nuno and getting this Spurs team back into I guess the top six even because they weren't there last season but I agree I think Ali you know if Nuno can get the best out of him that that could be big for Spurs we'll move to the Emirates Chelsea two, Arsenal nil Lukaku dominant on his second debut for Chelsea, including his first ever competitive goal for the Blues. Um, how good was he? He was really good. He was. Um, he was obviously very ambitious. You could tell he really wanted to score uh, his first goal in his, in his second debut. And he really all wanted to score more than that. I mean, he, he just kept shooting. But his, his hold-up play was really incredible. He would uh, receive the ball back to goal about 25, 30 yards out from goal. You'd play it off and then just turn around and make the run. Obviously, that's that's the same thing that led to the goal. But he was doing that the entire game, um, and and the Arsenal center backs were were just you know not up to the task. No. Um, so I think it'll be very interesting to see what Van Dyke can do. Obviously, coming back from an injury against uh, Lukaku next week, I think that'll be an extremely exciting matchup that's to watch. Be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, you look at the goal and just the way that Lukaku bursts into the box completely shrugs Pablomari to the ground and taps it in. They, yeah, Arsenal just did not have the physicality to deal with him. He was just so much, so much of a handful in that box. Um, and yeah, I, I think he could have had more than, than a goal. Also, um, I have to say Reese James's finish on the second. Beautiful, beautiful finish. Um, Chelsea are flying. I, I think at this point they are title favorites. Um, obviously, as, as I predicted them to win the title, but um, I think so I still United, don't think that we can call them title favorites. But I, I, I do. But I think United are definitely gonna have a hard time keeping up with Chelsea and City. I think it's kind of between those two for sure. Um, obviously, I can't sleep too much on that. Liverpool. I will agree with. We'll see what happens. But again, I, I think that they looked defensively unsure in their first two games, and I think if they were playing anyone, you know. Burnley and Norwich are arguably two of the worst teams going forward in the, in the league in terms of like Norwich create chances, but they don't finish them. Burnley just don't really create many chances at all. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that, but, but Chelsea, you know, I, if they beat Liverpool this weekend, I, I think city should be very, very worried. Oh, trust me. City are worried. I just don't think that that means that city aren't still title favorites. 
We'll see. We'll see. I think um, that game will tell us a lot. It's at Anfield, so that will definitely, um, I think, obviously Anfield will be up for it. Should be a, a cracking game. And just finally, the last game, West Ham, Leicester, 10-man Leicester, thanks to a just a stupid challenge from Iosi Perez, who gets him sent off. Um, I believe it was at the end of the first half. Um, yep. And West Ham just took full advantage. Mikel Antonio scoring twice. Saeed Ben Rama now with two goals and two assists in the first two weeks. Um, where do you think West Ham can finish this season? That's, you know, it's a tough question. I really don't know how much to take from this game because of the red card. Obviously, you know, West Ham were already up 1-0 at the time. But yeah. you don't know where this game goes if Perez is not sent off. Um I think that we'll agree that there's no debating that that was a red card. I saw a lot of people who, oh. who were debating it. Nope. Um, not yeah. a debate at all. Not a debate. Clear, clear red card, uh, good overturn from VAR. But as far as the game goes, I, I don't know how much to take from it. Um, because, because of that red card, I think that it might have been, you know, it, it might, it, I mean, obviously it would be a closer game, but I think, you know, Lester could have won that game had, had a red card not happened. We don't know. So I don't know how much to take from it, but I do think, you know, uh, Antonio is, is showing how good he is um, early in the season. Ben Rama, who I've said repeatedly will have a breakout season, is, is breaking out in the first two games. So I think that those two are, are really big. Um, and obviously, Leicester are a quality team. I mean, a team that will be competing for top four, competed for top four last season. So beating them 4-1, even if it is 10 men, is a statement. Um, yeah, so it, I, it is. But, but I do agree we can't take too much because Leicester, you know, have a lot of players out. Soyuncu was just bad in general. Gifted West Ham the second goal, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think if they can get some players back, they need Johnny Evans back. Obviously, Fafana is out for a while. James Justin should be coming back sooner than later, I believe. So... Um, I, I think maybe we don't take too much away from Leicester for this, but I think potentially in our preseason um, predictions, we might've been a little bit harsh on West Ham. Yes, they have the Europa league coming up, but I just looking at the quality of the side and the way David Moyes has them playing, I, I think they'll probably squeak a top half finish. See, I think, well, I think that we, when we did our predictions in our first episode, we mentioned this West Ham season is extremely dependent on it. Mikel Antonio and his, you know, ability to stay fit. That's true. And it's only been two games. It's only been two games. And yes, he's had an incredible two games. Nobody's doubting that, but to, to stay fit for an entire season is different than staying fit for a couple games, especially when you have Europa league to deal with. And, yeah. and they don't really have a, they don't really have a, a backup striker. So that that's the other issue. I mean, if you're, if you have a real striker that you're playing in the Europa league, that you're not playing Antonio or you're giving him serious rest, that makes sense, but it doesn't seem like they have a, a way to do that as of now. Yarmolenko is not, you know, that level to to just play him and sit Antonio in the Europa League. Yeah, but I definitely do think you know them getting off to to a quick start is what exactly what they needed. They have Palace on Saturday. That should be another three points. So um, if if they can give themselves enough of, of a cushion before the Europa League starts, you know, they could be in business. And they're top um, without, of the table right now, correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, they are, indeed. For the first time in, is it ever? Or it was for the first time in, in a long time. I forget in what a while. Was, but, um, yeah, but that does it. That's all the Premier League games there. So um, 
we were talking about Harry Kane stuff. I think that's where we'll start kind of our transfer talk segment here. Um, Today, Harry Kane has confirmed that he will be staying at Tottenham Hotspur this, this season, uh, despite obviously months and months of speculation and then the holdout of not coming back to training and all this and that. But Daniel Levy has accomplished his goal of holding on to Kane for at least one more season. Um, so I think obviously that's great for Spurs, you know, with the additions they've made this summer and, and potentially um, another one or two coming in. Um, they could be better than we expected them to be. But I guess we'll focus more on City. Um, what now for City? I, I personally think City need to sign a striker or Chelsea are going to run away with this. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, firstly, um, on Spurs, I, I don't necessarily think that it is beneficial for them. I, I really don't. I, I get that Harry Kane is obviously their best player and carries them. But 150 million euros is an insane amount of money that they could do a lot with. Um, in my yeah, I'm talking opinion, more was, in like the short term. I'm saying more. Yeah, like in the short in the short term. Yeah, in the short term, it's definitely good for Spurs. In the long term, I don't know. Um, I, I tweeted earlier today that this is a bad move for City. It's a bad move for Kane. It's a bad move for Spurs. I do not believe anybody's benefiting from this. Um, so that that's my personal opinion. But I'm also obviously biased because I'm pretty upset that we're not getting him as a City fan. I mean, we've discussed previously on this podcast that neither of us really expected the transfer to go through. But it's, it's, it's really problematic for City. I mean, as a City fan, we don't sign people that don't have release clauses, and that's a scary idea. We have really a lot of trouble negotiating with, with teams that – because we're, we're going to be going after players that teams obviously want to keep that are obviously quality, quality players. And so your negotiation ability is very important, and – I think that a lot of City fans are starting to question that um, for, for City, um, for Cheeky, uh, and for Khaldun even. So I, I think that that's the question. As far as what City do about a striker, man, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, the reports coming out today are saying things like, we're, we're not going to buy a striker. We're just going to go for Holland next year, which – I don't really understand because I don't think that we have a very high likelihood of getting him either. Um, I think that he'll, if he's going to go anywhere in the Prem, um, it would probably be Chelsea, but I don't see that happening anymore after Lukaku. So I think, I think he could easily end up at Madrid potentially with Mbappe. That's, yeah, that is, that is the most likely in my opinion as well. Um, especially if, especially if uh, Madrid don't spend the money on Mbappe, which we will get to shortly. They will have the money next year for Holland. Yeah, right. Because if they don't buy him in the next week, you know they could easily get Mbappe for free next summer. So exactly. imagine they bring in Mbappe and Holland in the same window next summer. That would be crazy. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think one of the, the big downsides for City in this situation, obviously, other than just not getting Harry Kane, who's the best striker in the league, um, I think also the problem is that it took so long for this conclusion to be made. Like, you know, for City to, to finally be told you're not getting him and Kane to say he's staying. And now a lot of options that you could have had earlier this summer are gone. Like, um, this probably isn't the best example because he, I'd say he's better in a two-striker formation. But, like, Andre Silva had an unbelievable year for Frankfurt. Came, like, fourth in the European Golden Shoe last season. Um, and he's, you know, good with the ball at his feet. 
good finisher. I think he could have been a decent fit at City, you know, but he moved to Leipzig like a month and a half ago because that's how long it's taken. You know, there's six days left in the window and Spurs now are back to ground zero, back to plan, you know, plan A is now gone and plan B hasn't been explored for the last two and a half months. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on the Cristiano Ronaldo talk? Because I think it is a bit far-fetched. Um, obviously, now there's talks about Gabriel Jesus and um, Juventus wanting him in like a swap deal. But we'll, we'll see. What are your thoughts on the Ronaldo situation? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I agree. It, it is far-fetched. But I, I, I have difficulty saying he isn't the best option for this summer at this point because I can't think of another option that's better. I know there's a lot of talk around um, Dusan Vahalovic, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, from Fiorentina. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's obviously not a finished product. He's a project. Um, whereas Cristiano Ronaldo is a finished product or even, you know, past that. But he's – I do think that – I do agree with not – paying a transfer fee for Ronaldo. I don't understand paying 25 million euros when you're going to pay him, you know, top of, uh, he's going to be top of your wage bill anyway, um, especially when he's only going to be there for, you know, a year or two. I think it's, it's not necessarily the most sound investment. So I get why City are reluctant mm, to pay that. I don't know. Thinking about the, it's, you know, it's Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. It's the most famous athlete in the history of the world. Like you're going to get a lot of return in terms of just even sponsorship, yep. but also kit obviously and, and merchandise and whatnot but i agree 25 yeah. million seems a little steep for a 37 year old uh, i believe he's 36 but yeah he um it's just it's just too much money i mean he only has one year left on his contract obviously but it's it's i it's not the fee so much that i have a problem with it's the fee combined with his wages so you're already going to pay so much for his wages that you can't be adding a transfer fee on top. That that's my issue with it. That's um, fair. But but yeah, I mean, as you say, it would it would um, bring in a lot of sponsorship deals, jersey sales, etc., um, which would be big. And it would also, as uh, many many city fans have been excited about, would would piss off United fans. I mean, yeah, that would, the, just the the drama surrounding that would be very entertaining for people kind of in a neutral situation such as myself um as we speak city extra have just tweeted via um paul hurst that city sources have claimed their sole target this summer was harry kane so bringing in a forward now such as cristiano ronaldo would be a knee-jerk move which pep guardiola does not usually do i personally think that you know, that's obviously another flaw of this situation is now City have to make a knee-jerk move because there's just no time left. But, I mean, are you in agreement with me that like, you guys kind of need to do it? Because I, with the window that PSG have had, especially especially if they keep hold of Mbappe, which just seems the most likely to me at, at this moment in time, mm-hmm. um, you guys just aren't going to have a chance in the Champions League without a striker. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. See, here's my thing. I get, I agree with you, but I don't think that we really have a chance in the champions league unless that striker is Ronaldo at this point, like Kane, Kane, obviously we would have given a chance to, but that's off the table. So Ronaldo is the only striker in my opinion available that could make us champions league contenders. I really believe that PSG 
should and will win the Champions League this year. Um, I don't think that there's much debate about that without without getting you know a top top class striker. As far as the league, I think that it's I think that a striker makes it a lot easier for us to win the league. I think a top striker like Ronaldo would you know make us almost locks to win the league. But I don't know that we need a striker to win the league. That's that's my only thing, right? So it's like, if we don't get a striker, I think we still have a, a, a legitimate shot at the league. I think it obviously decreases our chances. No, you, um, yeah, you. I mean, you have a shot, but it's like last year you did it without a striker. But the quality right. of opposition last year was significantly lower than it is this year. Right. I mean, we did add a hundred million dollar Jack Relish as well, or hundred million euro. Sorry, um, Jack Relish. So no, he was a hundred. Like, I thought no, it was a hundred million pounds. Oh, pound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, my uh, economics you, are maybe not the best. You but. know, you 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 get the two little symbols confused sometimes. It's understandable. And then I and then I, plus I'm American, so I say dollars, yeah. and dollars is never yeah, correct. Precisely. So no, the but, do- dollars makes the fee look so different than it actually is. So that's I, I oh, always it does. go in pounds, but yeah, absolutely. But um, but point being, we improved as well maybe not in the position that we needed the most but yeah. um but yeah i mean i think that it will be a, a a better race than last year for the league obviously but i do think that a striker isn't necessarily needed for winning the league however my issue is that i don't think that next year is any better of a position than we are this summer i mean obviously there's time then but we don't have like Holland becoming available next year for his 75 million release clause. I get that. But as we mentioned, I don't believe that city are one of the top contenders to get him. So it just, it just makes me struggle. Like where, what is the plan now? I mean, you, you could say I'd be very surprised if you guys go back in for Kane next summer, if if he still stays, especially because I don't, anticipate Spurs winning any silverware this year. Um, but the, then the problem with that is he's, you know, another year older, now 29, um, you know, and you'd be probably looking, you know, Spurs would be looking for a, a similar fee. Um, so you'd just be getting another year off of, off of service from Kane. Um, so, I mean, I think you might be in a better situation next summer, just barely. Um but it could end up going the exact same way is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's why really, I mean, I'm not one of the people most in favor of, of the Ronaldo move, but it's, it's starting to look like our only legitimate shot at UCL. Um, I tweeted earlier today, if Ronaldo really wanted to come to city, he should pay the fee himself. <laughs> I, and I and I know that it's it's you know tongue in cheek, but I'm not. It's it's only half joke. It really is because if he actually wanted to win another UCL, if he actually wanted to you know potentially even win another Ballon d'Or, City is the place. That's I mean he's not going to do that at Juve. He's not going to. He's I mean unless he goes to PSG, which you know is is I guess a possibility. I don't really see it. And, I, and I've always seen Ronaldo, as much criticism as I can have for him, for his personality, I've always seen him as an extremely motivated, driven person to win. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it, I, don't, I have never seen it about money to him. 
he wants to win. And so I don't, I think, like, if he, if he really wanted that move, he, he could do it himself. But I don't, I don't know how eager he I is. I mean, he's, yeah, but he's not going to do that with a, like, I don't know, a year left on his contract when he can just do it for free. Like, to, I mean, 25 mil is a lot. <laughs> so, no, yes, it's a, half Especially... joke. it's a half joke. But I understand the point that you're making. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think PSG have already been ruled out of that. Sources have claimed they're not interested, um, which is understandable. I think their main focus right now is kind of holding on to Mbappe, which yeah. honestly, w- w- let's talk about Mbappe now. We'll move That's on good. to the Mbappe talk. Um, I-, I think here's my take on the situation. I think Madrid are crazy for offering that kind of money for a player with 12 months left on their deal. And I think PSG are crazy for rejecting it. Couldn't agree more. I think the deal makes total sense. I think, I think, you know, PSG, it's quite clear that I don't think Mbappe is going to sign an extension. He's already rejected three different offers. So you're getting, you know, a top five transfer fee of all time for a player that you're going to lose for absolutely nothing in, in, you know, 10 months time. So I just think it's, you know, the fact that Madrid are willing to offer that much money when they could get him for free next summer is a bit crazy. And then the fact that PSG are rejecting it is even crazier. Like, I just don't understand this deal, in my opinion, should go through. I think it makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, not to keep going back to my tweets, but I, I tweeted, can somebody explain to me why PSG have rejected 160 million? Euros. So Euros. Still Thank a lot. For, it's... It doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you have – I get that Mbappe is a fantastic player, but you're having him for one year. I get you want him to play with Neymar and Messi, and you want to win a, a UCL that you haven't won. I understand all this. But, I mean, you're financially incompetent if you're not accepting $160 million. It doesn't make any sense. The, the replies to my tweet were, were a bit wild. I mean, people were just saying, PSG doesn't care about money. FFP doesn't matter. They're state-owned. All these, all these crazy things. But they're still a football club. They still need to be run like a football club. Yeah. Um, I, I think you uh, can't just pretend that money is not something they think about at all. That's just exactly. not true. It's just that they have crazy exactly. sponsorship deals. Now with Messi, they're going to make you know, a, a lot of money um, from kits. They already made the, the numbers from like the first 48 hours of kit sales and stuff when they announced Messi is ridiculous. But the yeah. fact still remains that um, you know, I, I, st- I think that they could win the Champions League this year without Mbappe, like without too much trouble. Um, and that's a hell of a lot of money for someone that you're literally going to lose. And the, I think Mbappe will leave next summer. Like if PSG think they can convince him to sign on still, despite the fact he's already rejected three contract offers and, and they're, you know, that's a 160 million euro gamble that they're making there, which I don't think is worth it at all. I mean, when you really think about it, they're paying 160 million to keep Mbappe for one year. When they already have, that is, you know, Messi, Neymar, Di Maria, yeah. Hakimi. I don't care players. who you have on your team. Keep paying 160 million for any player for one year is is not smart. Yeah, any no, player. You're, you're right. You're right. It it doesn't even matter that it's Mbappe. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, it, it's it's, you know very financially incompetent. I, I still honestly, for some reason, have a feeling that this might still happen. Um, I think, you know, if Madrid are crazy enough to offer a little more money, which honestly, I don't put it past Florentino Perez, because that's just kind of the, the president that he is. Um, I yeah. think we could still see this happen. 
yeah, I mean, I don't think it's off the table. I don't think it's necessarily the most likely, but I, I just, I mean, it was the the the, the bid was immediately rejected by uh, PSG. I mean, they didn't even and, think and about it. And apparently, disrespectfully so, is what reports have said. Like, like they were rude about rejecting it. Is what I, just, I forget. There was some some source inside Madrid. Some official said, said yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things that's really got to make you think. I mean, what are these guys thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing with it's similar to Levy. I mean, not to the same extent, obviously, but I I really don't understand how you're not going to accept 150 million euros for Harry Kane. I don't I don't get that. But obviously, that's a little bit different when you have multiple years on his contract. Yeah, yeah. Because his contract goes until when? Twenty twenty four. I think I believe he has three or four more years. Yeah, so he's yeah. That's I think I think three. I think three. Yeah, he's so so. Obviously, it's a different situation. But my point is, I mean, yeah, these are a lot. It's a lot of money. So still three more three more years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's all. It's. Like that's just kind of crazy to me that this deal hasn't gone through, but we'll see what happens. Um, and then quickly, I just want to touch on, you know, we've talked about West Ham a little bit already, but now it seems like the Kurt Zuma deal might not be going through. There's hiccups with, you know, Chelsea obviously want to bring in Jules Kunde, which would be a huge signing for them. Um, mm. I think if, you know, the issues get resolved, I think Zuma going to West Ham is great for Chelsea and West Ham. You know, he would be West Ham's best center back in my opinion. Um, then Chelsea could use that money to go get Jules Koundé, who is, you know, an elite talent at center back and could really hoist them, you know, obviously into contention for the Premier League, but also they could make another run at the Champions League this season with just, you know, that good of a center back, obviously that young as well. It could be a stalwart in their defense for years to come. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, as far as, as far as Zuma, I agree. You know, it would be good for West Ham. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea, even you know, trying to spend more money this this a window is is classic Roman Abramovich. Um, yeah. he's, he's just not going to stop. Nope. Um, which I mean, I admire honestly. As money, as much as people want to say, you know, oil money is ruining football or all these cliches, but I I admire it. I mean, he he wants to go and win, and he'll he'll pay the money to go and win. Um, so obviously that that would be um. A great signing for Chelsea is Jules Koundé because I mean he was you know one of one of City's targets in the whole Koulibaly idea uh, thing, which is just another transfer that didn't go through yeah. for us. Obviously, well, yeah, I mean, you got, yeah, okay, we well, Diaz, poor you, but, you ended up with Ruben Diaz instead, yeah, right. But my point being, as I mentioned before, we only sign players that are on release clauses. Diaz was a release clause. Koulibaly was not a release clause, which is why we could not get him. We we do not sign players that are not release clauses. But uh, Chelsea signing I mean, Koundé, I think. I mean, eh, okay, but we still don't know because it, it seems like I, I think Ruben Diaz was a much smarter transfer. And, and to me, it kind of seems like once they realized they could do that, like Koulibaly, I mean, this is a whole nother conversation, but yeah, I no, mean, that's Koulibaly is 29, Ruben Diaz is 23. No, I so. mean, I, obviously that one worked out well. Obviously that one worked out extremely well beneficial for, for us, but I, there are a lot of other examples in which, in which it hasn't worked out so well. Um, but, but, as far as Chelsea, I, Kunde, I mean, it's similar to the idea of, of PSG going after um, Kamavinga. Yeah. I mean, that, if, if, I mean, they already That's have the another best big deal that, that could potentially history. happen. Yeah. They, they already have the best trans, uh, transfer window in football history. If they add 
Eduardo Camavinga, who, I mean, has all the talent in the world. Oh, yeah. Could be one of the best center midfielders in the world for the next, you know, 10 years. Absolutely. Especially, he, especially he, yeah. with that team that he's going to have around him at, at PSG, assuming he goes, which at this I point, think, honestly, I think is very likely. Yeah, I think if it doesn't happen this uh, summer, it'll happen, you know, in the next year or so. But I, I – I don't put it past PSG to go and get him because I mean it's not like they have spent an insane amount of money. No, um, this, in transfer they, fees, what is it, sixty-five million or something on Hakimi? Exactly. As 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 crazy as their transfer window has been, it's been that crazy because they're free. They've the spent part. like half as much as Arsenal have. Just think about that. That is a ridiculous statistic yeah. right there. Yep. Yep. Now their wage bill might not be. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> similar to Arsenal's, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, absolutely. yeah, they're definitely paying a, paying a lot more on the wages. But in terms of and as like, far as, the transfer fees, yeah, and as far as uh, big transfers, as as a U.S. based um, podcast, we should mention there's been a lot of talk around Weston McKinney moving somewhere. Oh yeah, um, this this summer, whether it be um, Bayern or Spurs or Everton, were I heard were interested. Um, Villa um, as well are very Villa as well, absolutely. Uh, I believe Bayern said 30 million was too 30 million euros was too much for them. That's, so I that's that ridiculous. Have, I agree. 25 I, million pounds. I think that's a snip. I, I, I agree. I think whoever could get him for that price, that would be a really good deal for them. And I yeah. honestly, I'm kind of surprised that Juve want to sell. Um, obviously Allegri's just come in, you know, Juve are very much kind of in a rebuild process. Like they're kind of in between, you know, UCL windows. Obviously Allegri is, statistically the greatest manager in their history, just in terms of how much he won while he was at the club in his first stint, you know, took them to two Champions League finals. They didn't win either of them, obviously, but um, McKinney's, you know, the kind of young player, really physically gifted who with the right coaching, um, especially with someone like Allegri, I I think could turn into, you know, obviously an incredible player. So I am kind of surprised that Juve want to sell him. If he does leave this window, whoever gets him for that price, um, that's a fantastic signing. I agree. And before we move on to MLS, I think that I, I, we need to mention that, um, speaking of Bayern, they have just won a game 12 to nothing. Yes, I saw that. Good in, Lord. In the, in the DFB Pokal, I believe, right? Yes. I mean, th- those are results that you um, just shouldn't see. But, uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, we've covered our, our the transfer rumors and the transfer talk for today. So we should move on and, and quickly touch on uh, MLS since uh, today as we are uh, today the day we are recording uh, tonight will be the all-star game the MLS versus uh, Liga Emekis all-star game and uh, smack in the middle of the two rivalry weeks that we have in MLS mm-hmm. so I guess we'll start um, talking about last week uh, obviously in our kind of realm of MLS Western Conference slash California teams etc um, the Cali Classico was on Sunday. Um, no, Saturday, Friday, Friday. It was on Friday. Um, and the Quakes came away with a 2-1 victory at the, uh, it was StubHub Center, it was a Dignity Health Sports Park, right? Um, Correct. Big win for us. Jeremy Abobisi getting on the, on the score sheet. Um, I thought we played extremely well. I thought the fact that it was 1-1, I thought that flattered uh, the Galaxy a lot. Um, you know, we created a lot of chances. We could have scored more. Abobasi was really dangerous. You know, the header that he did score, brilliant finish. Um, and then, you know, they got a, honestly a quite lucky goal 
you know, corner comes straight in. Alanis tries to block it, just goes off his toe, deceives JT Marcinkowski at the front post. But then we got, a, you know, a lucky goal as well. Another own goal. Um, awesome. Just fantastic work. Um, trophies on the byline. Um, but I think it was a, it was a really big victory for us. Deserved. Put us in the, um, in the playoff spots, at least for the time being. Um, which is, I think, the first time we've been up there since about the third week. So really big result for the Quakes. Very happy with that. Yeah, as we speak, we are still in seventh place, um, one point ahead of – or two points ahead of Portland. Um, obviously, LAFC play against uh, the Galaxy as well this weekend. So um, let's preview that a bit. Obviously, you're, this is a big game for you, El Tropico, the other California rivalry. Um, what's kind of your preview going into this game? Yeah, um, it's 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 interesting. I mean, LA Galaxy are not you know necessarily in the best form, but they're in a much better position than LAFC. This will be the first El Tráfico in history in which Galaxy will be higher in the standings than LAFC. And they are a the, lot higher. They are twelve points higher. Don't remind me. Um, <laughs> so we, you know, LAFC will have. Um, a test ahead of them. I think the story of this game will be Bob Bradley on the hot seat. I think yeah. that, I mean, he's been on the hot seat this entire season, but I mean, this, this skid that we're on right now is, I mean, the worst streak in LAFC history. Yeah. We've lost four in a row. We've lost four in a row, which we have never done in our history until I mean, now. S- s- yeah. S- six wins, five draws, nine losses. Right. Well, I mean, the, the season overall, absolutely. But, he, but in our form currently, we've lost four games straight. We haven't won in, since, since July 17th against Real Salt Lake. I mean, that's over a month ago was our last yeah, win. Yeah, pretty bad. Um, we're on a horrible, horrible skid going into the biggest game of the year at home against Galaxy. So, I mean, that's going to be a big boost. I think if this game was in Carson, <laughs> you would be in a lot of trouble. But I, I will say, you know, if the Galaxy do manage to come into the bank and I'd still call it an upset because, you know, you guys, despite the, you know, obvious drop in, in form and, and just the poor results recently, with that stadium, 32-52, like you guys, I still don't think you have, have an excuse with the talent of players that you have to lose to the Galaxy. And so if you do, I, I'll honestly be shocked if Bob doesn't go the next day. Well, there's still, wow. It's great to hear a perspective on the outside because I'm so deep into LAFC um, this season that it's, it's interesting to hear because I, number one, I, I don't think it would be an upset if they beat us. I, I just don't. I, I don't, I think that they are the favorites to win this game. Um, I think that they should win this game. Honestly, Galaxy should, but that, but as you say, we have, we have talent. Um, but we obviously are missing our best player. Carlos Vela will not be. Well, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me rephrase real quick. Go ahead. Not in like, yes, obviously based on how both of these teams have been playing, it's clear that the galaxy are the better team right now. But Mm -hmm. my point is that when you look at the quality of players, there's not that much of a difference and you're playing at home, which to me puts it down to Bob Bradley. So I think that Mm -hmm. if, the Galaxy do win, or, I mean, even a draw, okay, draw may be harsh, but if the Galaxy win, if LAFC don't win this game, I think Bob's got to be either gone or one result away from going. To me, it's just so obvious. Like, the fact that you are behind us, for example, 
it just mm-hmm. like that's just ridiculous. There's no excuse for that when you look at the amount of money that you spent, the quality of players that you have. The it, like it, it's just not good enough in any way, shape, or form. And from an outside perspective, I think Bradley has to go. I'd say even at the end of the season, if you even if you don't lose this game, I still think that it's pretty clear to me that that Bob Bradley and LAFC kind of need to split company at, at this point because they're just heading in two opposite directions, in my opinion. Absolutely. And well, that's why I think it's interesting, right? Because you said, I, I believe that Bob Bradley will be sacked the next day. But that is something that would happen in Europe. That is something that would. And, and so I'm not so sure it would happen. I agree with you that it should happen. I, I am of the camp that Bob Bradley should have already been sacked. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of LAFC fans have been saying, well, well, we'll give him El Trafico. We'll see if he can win El Trafico. If he loses that, he's out. I don't know if John Thorrington has the same idea, who also is under a lot of pressure, um, is, the G, is the general manager of LAFC, for those who don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he's also been, been under immense pressure. Um, because he has not been, you know, making enough moves that, that we believe that we need. I mean, Chicho Arango has been brought in mid-season, which we like, but he should have been brought in, you know, pre-season um, in, in when he brought in Corey Baird, who he's already shipped off. Granted, he made money off that, so can't complain too heavily. But the point is he's not, he's not providing the players that need to be in the system. Um, so, so both of them are under pressure. However, Bob will be the first one to leave. Uh, JT will have at least one more coach in him, I, I assume, um, from, from what I'm hearing. So I, I agree that Bob should be gone. I don't necessarily have the confidence that he will be gone if we lose, though. Um, that, that's my only issue. But f- f- I completely agree that he, he needs to go. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, sooner if, the better. He doesn't, if he doesn't, then might as well just write off this season. And yeah, you may say like Thorrington, you know, you know, there's moves he could have made at different times, et cetera, et cetera. But I just think it, in no way is that roster not, you know, good enough to be, you know, let alone playoff qualification, which you're not in right now, but right. should be a top four team in the West still. I mean, it should be MLS top contenders. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, that, that is why I don't understand why there's a debate around this. I mean, LAFC Twitter after that Vancouver loss, um, which was a, a very late Vancouver goal leading to a 2-1 win for Vancouver, um, which has really been the story of LAFC se- was that, season was that that's in, happened. Was, was that in LA as well? No, it was, it was okay. in Vancouver. It was Vancouver's first game back in Vancouver with fans. So that is obviously um, does matter. But I mean, losing, we've given up late goals um, to, to lose that point that we have and give the other team three points. Um, we've done that multiple times this season, and it was supposed to – it was the, meant to be unlucky at first. Everyone's saying, oh, we're just unlucky. Our XG is not so bad, um, but, but it keeps happening. So it's not luck, and that's why, as you've mentioned, it, you, you just have to put that on Bob at this point. He has one of the best rosters, if not the best roster in MLS on paper, and he's not in a, in a playoff spot. So – there, there is no excuse for that, in my opinion, no. anymore. Ninth place in the West. Yep. Ninth place in the West. So that's not even including, you know, the East at all. And so, I mean, I'm going to go look real quick. Like if we look at um, – I want to look at the supporter shield standing and see where you guys actually are in the league right now. Um, do you want to quickly tell us about the skills challenge that you were at last night? 
Yeah. So the uh, obviously the all-star game between MLS All-Stars and the Gaime Peace All-Stars uh, is tonight, Wednesday night, um, I believe at 6.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time in L.A. But last night uh, was the MLS Skills Challenge uh, in which the, you know, some top players competed in, in a skills game, which is, you know, for those who don't know, pretty similar to what the NBA has for their skills challenge or maybe akin to the home run derby for Major League Baseball. Um, there were five events, I believe, or five, five different events. And they, it, I, I was there, as you said. Um, I wasn't even planning on going, but I ended up getting free tickets. So I headed over there. Um, and it was, it was fun. I mean, it was, it was better than I expected. Um, it was slow moving because it was, you know, it's, it's meant for TV and things like that. But the, the skills on, on show were pretty nice. Uh, Ricardo Pepe was fun to watch. He didn't perform as well as some of us expected, but it was. So Zella Ryan did really well, unsurprisingly. Yes. Zella Ryan was, was class. Um, Rossi was, was obviously a big hit in, in uh, LA because he plays for LAFC. Um, and he did well in the uh, sh- penalty shooting game, but not so well after that. But um, yeah, Liga Liga Mekis ended up winning they, on a on a comeback win, um, and they they the the final challenge is um, it's a crossbar challenge. So you start about twenty five yards out from goal, and then eventually once you once you reach twenty five points. Um, which is a long explanation, but once you reach 25 points, you go to midfield and, and it was just whoever can hit the crossbar from midfield first wins, wins. And um, MLS got to midfield well before Liga Mekis, but just could not hit it from midfield. And eventually uh, there was a comeback win for Liga Mekis. So it was exciting. I mean, there was a lot of, yeah, it sounds entertaining. It was entertaining. It was, it was, it was empty. I will say that I've never seen fewer people, inside of Mexico California stadium in my life. <laughs> um, there were legitimately the maximum of probably 8,000 people there. Uh, some, yeah. So I'd say probably somewhere between five and 8,000 people. Just, I mean, I'm sure the game tonight will be a lot more full than that. Yes, but. absolutely. It'll be more full, but, and, but uh, tonight and last night, most of them are probably league. I make fans um, rooting against MLS. <laughs> um, and so, so that's I think there will be a lot of them uh, tonight, but there was a lot of cheering when Liga Mekis won last night. Gotcha. Just to uh, go back quickly to the LAFC thing, you guys are this is a squad that won, you know, not that different, a squad that won the Supporter Shield two seasons ago, right? Um, and currently 18th in the Supporter Shield race out of 27. Not great. Yeah, I think that you'll see a lot of. I think you'll see a lot of turnover um, at the end of the year for LAFC. Um, I, I hope to God Bob's gone by then at least. Um, but I believe there's a high likelihood Carlos Vela moves on. Uh, Edward Atuesta is very likely to move on. Diego Rossi as well could. So we could see uh, a new LAFC next season. I mean, um, yeah, that's, a, that's the whole core of your team kind of right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, especially with Mark Anthony K obviously already leaving, going to Colorado. So, 
Yeah, I'm not sure LAFC fans would consider him part of our core, but yes. Well, he okay, but he not right now, but he was in terms of the first like three seasons of LAFC. He yeah. was. I'll take the point. I'll take it. Well, LAFC fans, uh, there's there's a lot of uh, struggle animosity. between LAFC fans. Animosity is the word. Thank you between um, LAFC fans and Mark Anthony K. But that's because Mark Anthony K. He, a lot of people don't believe he he handles pressure very well, and he kind of just reacts, um, whether it be on social media or otherwise, to fans criticizing him. But yeah, I mean, I think that this is a lot. To me, the season is is over. I'm, I'm I mean, I, obviously, I want to win El Trafico. That's I care about that, obviously. Um, uh, I will actually, for those of you who don't know, LA Soccer Hub, um, which is run by uh, Gio Garcia, is uh, covers LAFC and LA Galaxy. We'll be doing a joint show this Thursday night um, at 7 p.m., which I believe I will be on. Um, uh, so that'll that'll be interested for anybody interested in seeing the you know rivalry between the fans. Um, you can see that on um, on LA Soccer Hub's Twitter or Facebook. I'm sure. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. Um, everyone enjoy the MLS All-Star Game in El Trafico if you're watching this weekend. Um, well, tonight and this weekend. Also, I'll just quickly say, um, while recording, Nicolo Shira, who's a you know, relatively uh, reliable source on Twitter, has said that City have offered a contract, a, so a two-year contract to Cristiano Ronaldo. But again, you know, the difference between Fee or Gabriel Jesus or whatever goes on is going to determine whether that happens or not. Um, but it's going to be very interesting. We've got one more week of the window. We'll do a podcast recapping everything that happens in, in the next week, which hopefully will be a lot um, uh, next week. So stay tuned for that. Other than that, um, follow us on Twitter at U90Football um, and have a great day. Thanks for listening.